Well, we have been, we've been looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in, uh, in Philippi. And, and, I, and I love this. It's a, it's a letter that, again, I, I heard preached at Bible camp when I was a teenager. Uh, the, the evangelist that week preached on the book of Philippians all week long, and it's made quite an impact in my life. And that's been uh, over 50 years ago. So I want to I share at least some of the things that, that I heard, not only heard, but some of the things that I've, that I've tried to put in place in my life uh, with that. Paul, Paul writes this letter, and the first thing he, that just jumps out to us is that he wants us, he tells us that it's God's desire that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we would say as Christians, that, that we walk in joy, that we're joyful and have a joyful heart. Now, someone has said, the difference between being happy and being joyful is that happiness depends upon happenings. And happenings are good and bad, and so our happiness can come and go. But as far as the joy that we're to walk in with the Lord, that he wants that to be something that's not dependent upon the things that are happening around us. Matter of fact, first thing that we see from Paul is that Paul's circumstances are not good. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's waiting trial, and at trial, he's, he could easily be either exonerated and set free, or he could be sentenced to execu- be executed. And so Paul writes this letter to the church in, in Philippi, and this is a letter that is really just, if we squeezed it hard enough, joy would drip out of it. It's full of joy. And so Paul lets us in quickly on some of his, his secrets and some of the, the key things we need to learn, first of all, for him. In this first chapter, in verse 21, he tells us the key to not being down and discouraged and depressed because of his circumstances. And that is, he has a mindset that is what kind of a mind? It's a single mind. And that single mind in Philippians 1.21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If if if, If this court is coming up, if they find me guilty of that which I've not done, but if they find me guilty and execute me, he said, hey, it's going to be great gain. Then I'm going to be with the Lord that I've served, the Lord that I've trusted, the one that I've lived for, and I'm going to be with him. But if God chooses to set me free from this, from this uh, jail sentence or from prison, then I, I realize that my life is not about me. It's about him. So, and it's about the furtherance of the gospel. So with this mindset, Paul could write this being chained literally to a guard 24-7, Different guards, they took shifts, but he could write this book of joy and say, hey, I, man, I'm having a blast here sharing Christ with these guards. I'm having a blast here encouraging Philippians how to walk in joy in spite of your circumstances. We do, some of us do really good at that, and, and, and we've kind of got that thing down. And for others, it's not the circumstances, but it's the people. It's the people that get to us, Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, and, and people is important. Relationships are important. Pastor Darrell keeps reminding us that ministry is about people. It's about relationships. And we want to be able to, to minister, but we also surely don't want to be able to let people steal our joy. Somebody after first service came up, I was calling them joy stealers or joy killers. And he said this, his little granddaughter calls them fun suckers. People that just suck all the fun out of your life. 
Now, I don't know if she was talking about her parents or grandparents, uh, but, but there can be fun suckers in our life that just, 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 just take the joy out of serving. And Paul had these people in his life. Paul, remember, we would think today if, we, if, if Paul was going to be here for the weekend for the retreat at the D now, that we would have had this, we would send out flyers and we would have had it on the, on the flashing billboards in town, that Paul's going to be speaking down at the D now conference this weekend. And we would think, man, people would have come, kids would have come from everywhere, people would have come, and it would have been so excited. But that wasn't necessarily the case. Because everywhere Paul came, he seemed to always have those people that were there that were against him. And a reminding of the people, you better not trust him. Last week, Pastor Vijay from India, in talking on Barnabas, he, he, let, he gave us a glimpse of how that Paul, after Paul had accepted the Lord and was excited and was wanting to, to tell about his conversion, that many of the Christians didn't trust him. They said, hey, you better not let him in here. He's, he's already sent people to prison because they served the Lord. And even more than that, he's had some killed. And he's just, he's trying to infiltrate the church. And you can't, pay, you better not, you better be care, careful, remember? And Barnabas took him with him and said, come go to church with me. And he took him under his wing. But there was always people that were reminding others of Paul's past. Hey, this is who he really is. So there were people there that, that could easily have destroyed his ministry and his joy. But Paul had learned a secret for not letting people just depress us and discourage us. And you know what that secret was? It was a mindset. And it was a mindset that was of what kind of mind? A submissive mind. A mind that yielded to the Father like Christ had. He tells us, let this same mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. That he had took the mindset of a servant and he served. And Paul said, hey, for me, I've learned that the secret is that to see in people as people that Jesus died for, just as he died for me. And not only did Jesus die for them, but now I get to serve them and be a servant to them, no matter what they say or do, and no matter what my circumstances, I'm going to have a single mind, and I'm going to have a submissive mind that's going to help me walk in joy in this relationship as I serve Christ by serving people. Yes, and even those dadgum honorary people. Loving them. Well, some of us have kind of got that down. You say, Jerry, man, I've got this circumstances thing down. I, you know, I've been, in, I've been in bad situations. I've been in good, and, and, and I've kind of, I'm, I'm, I've got that. People, you know, okay, I'm, I'm working on that. I don't got that. But for you, it may be things. It may be things that actually just have you in bondage. Chapter 3 warns us that we can get so entangled with things that there's no real joy in our life. This past Friday, Barbie and I were sitting in the cafeteria up in, at the hospital. We went to visit Herbie, and, uh, who's having surgery tomorrow. And uh, we, we went to visit. So we were down in the cafeteria eating at a table with some people. And uh, one, of the, one of the people at the table uh, we got to talking, and they were talking about their life and didn't really know a lot. And, and uh, I said, man, how can you make such a transition? Uh, and, and this person, was, they, they, at one time, it had a 5,000-square-foot home. Now, that's, that's pretty big, right? 
Uh, that's big, right? I'm, I'm thinking, that's, I think that's big, okay? That's big, Phil, right? And, and, now, they, and now they were living in less than, less than 400 square feet. And I thought, wow, that's a transition. How'd you do that? And this person said, when, I, when my spouse died, I learned what things were important and what things weren't. And said, I've, I, I learned that, that most of my life, the things that I thought were so important weren't important at all. And so I've got rid of it. Matter of fact, uh, Zach, we're not there yet. I just want you to know, your mom and I aren't hardy at this place yet. But, but uh, this person said uh, in, in, their, in their house, 5,000 said, hey, I had my kids come in. And I said, get anything you want because whatever you don't get, I'm going to get rid of. I'm not, these are, these, these things have lost their value to me. It's not that they're bad, but this is not what, what I'm living for the rest of my life. Now, we're not there yet, okay? So don't, don't you and, and uh, Nicole and Paige and Tony come in this afternoon and take things like that. <laughs> but this person saying that said, I've learned the value. And, and I said, you know, isn't it, isn't it sad that sometimes it takes uh, uh, like a slap of cold water in the face. It takes tragedies or situations. We were talking recently at our house about a person who had lost a, a child, uh, actually an older, older child. And this person saying, man, if I, if I could get a do-over, if I could get a do-over, I wouldn't push them to, be, to do this or to do that or, or to succeed in this. I would just be more satisfied if they could just be happy. And I would encourage them to find that peace. Wow. Things have a way of, of just wrapping us up and pulling us down. And Paul says, though, that there is a key that he's learned in his life so that things don't rob us of our joy. And I want, I want us to look at that in chapter 3. And before we, before we look at those things that Paul lists in his life, I want us to go with, start with, chapter, with verse 18 and 19. And then verse 20 and 21. We're actually going at this, uh, at this chapter right backwards, okay? Uh, I, like, I just like to say backwards. Anyway, we're, we're, going at, we're going from the bottom to the top. Verse 18 and 19, look at this. In verse 18 and 19, Paul says... For many walk of whom I've told you often, and I'll tell you even weeping, that they're enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Now look at this, who mind earthly things. Paul said there's people who live for things. That's their mindset. That's what they're always their mindset is on. Now look at verse 20 and 21. He said, for our, King James says, for our conversation is in heaven. Now, what's other translations got there for the word conversation? Our citizenship. What else? Lifestyle. For, he said, he said we, we really, our citizenship is in heaven from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like his glorious body according to the working thereby. He is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, Paul says, hey, there is an earthly perspective here. And uh, we've heard the saying that some people are so earthly minded that they're no heavenly good, right? But we've also, you know, Paul said, but there is a heavenly perspective. 
And the, the key to not letting things, I believe, Paul had found, not letting things be what we live for, was this spiritual mind. And the spiritual mind is a mind that tries to see things from a heavenly perspective. What does it look like putting it through the perspective of God seeing it? And I think that's, in, that's key to us. Now, it's easy to get wrapped up in things, things that we see and things that we don't see, things that we see, our toys, okay? Our toys, our stuff, our, uh, our hobbies, our careers. Uh, the, the bumper sticker, saw a bumper sticker one time that's so sad. It said, he who dies with the most toys wins. And I, and I saw that, and it was like, gosh, you got to be kidding me. You, you really believe that? And we would say, oh, you know, nobody really believes that. But are you living that way? Are you living that? And then there's those, those invisible, intangible things like success, like significance, status, fame, okay, fame, power. Can't, you make, you can't, can't put your hands on it, but boy, it's there. And people live their lives for that. And Paul understood that because the first, first part of his life, the first years of his life, that's what he'd lived for. He tells us that. Let's, let's now kind of walk through some of this chapter. Uh, it started at the beginning here. Paul says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I, he just can't get over it. Rejoice. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, it's not grievous. For you, it's safe. <clears throat> Beware of dogs. Now, <laughs> we had Kate and Dave just came back. They've been gone for two months. And they were headed back home this past week. And they were anxious to get here. They stopped at a rest stop. And Kate told me she got bit by a dog. Somebody had a dog at a rest stop and bit her. And she said, it bit me on the way home. Now, that's not the kind of dog God's talking, or Paul's talking about here. He said, beware of dogs, beware of evil worker, workers, beware of the concision. He's talking about people, different kinds of people. He said, for we're the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and don't have confidence in the flesh. Though I, I could have confidence if any other man thinks that he, he's got it, I've got more. Now listen why. Paul says in verse 5, because I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul said, I had the pedigree. All right, I came from the right kind of family. I came from the right kind of stock. He says, as touching the law, he was a Pharisee. And that was the elite of the elite. It was out of the Pharisees that would come to the leaders and the rulers. He says, concerning zeal. He said, I persecuted the church. He was all in. Paul was all in. He, when, he was, when he was serving the law, when he was living for the things of the, of the law, and he'll describe this in a minute, it was what he would call works righteousness. Okay? He describes that just a little bit later. But he, when he said, when, I, when I'm living that way, he said, I was all in. I saw these people that, were, that said they were followers of Christ, and I knew that they were going to cause damage to the church. So he said, I went out and persecuted them. I tried to throw them in jail. I tried to get them to recant their faith. I was all in. One thing about Paul, that I, a lot of things, but another thing about Paul that I think I really like is when Paul was a sinner, he was a sinner. When Paul got saved, he got saved, and he was all in. It's hard. If you're here this morning, and, and, you know, and, and, you're, a, and you're a sinner, you, need, you know, don't. If you try to put a little religion with a little sin, you won't enjoy your sin and you'll be miserable because you won't be, the religion will make you miserable because it won't give you the peace that a relationship with God is. But when you come to that realization 
that you, you're not, it's not works righteousness. It's not what you do. And you say, God, I'm, I'm all in with you. Jesus, I'm all in with you. When you get all in with him, then you understand what that peace and joy that Paul's talking about. He said, I was, I was, he said, as far as the righteousness of the law, he said, I was blameless. But look what he says now about these, these things in his life in verse 7. He said, but all these things that I, that I thought was so much gain, he said, those I counted loss for Christ. You see that? Now, it's an interesting thing here. Who's got, who's got another translation, verse 7, last part of that? What, the word counted is what I'm looking at. Who's, who's got it? Say it again. Prophet. All right, what else? Huh? Considered. I considered all well, those things that, 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 that I used to live for, I considered as nothing. All right? Now, the, the word there counted, this interesting word, is used here in verse 7, it's used in verse 8 a couple of times, and it's used in verse 13. And the word really, the word, if, you're gonna, if, we, if we looked at it and evaluated the meaning of it, it would be to evaluate or consider or examine or assess. Do an assessment of our lives, okay? Socrates, don't quote him often, wasn't a neighbor of mine, lived before I was long. But Socrates one time said that an an unexamined life is not worth living. Paul took a, 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 he took a look at his life. After he had met this God on the road to Damascus and blinded him, and after he had met this, the Savior, Jesus Christ, Paul then did an evaluation of his life up to that point. All the things that he lived for, all the power, all the success, all the recognition, he was in the fast track to move up in life. And Paul said, when I looked at all those things, he said, they were, they were nothing. Now, need to be balanced. I mean, and in the, and in the uh, it's not Fox News, fair and balanced, but in the balance of the message, God knows that we need some things, okay? In Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, God understands that. He's, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? That's every, we all need something to eat. We've got deer stew on at the house. Some of you want to come to the house for lunch? Ugh. My wife was in the kitchen this morning putting on a deer stew, and she looked like an angel. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, don't, don't, get all, don't get all excited about what you're going to eat. You may have a peanut butter sandwich next Sunday, but whatever. All right. Or what we'll drink or what we'll wear. Okay, look at this. Don't, don't, that, because he said, after all these what? Things. Say it with me. After all these what? Things. Does the Gentile seek? And we'd say today, the world, that's what a lot of the world is living for. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these what? Things. God knows we need that. But look what he's saying. He said, but seek ye First, the what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these what? Things. Boy, some of y'all are really good. This side, you need to wake up up here. All right. May I have my my good ear turned toward you. All right. And all these what? Things will be added to you. Matter of fact, he tells us in, in God's word tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. Look at this. This is an awesome verse. 
He says, charge those that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded or trust in uncertain riches. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong, and hear me, there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having four-wheelers and boats and gadgets and toys and all. There's nothing wrong with things as long as you have your priorities right and the things don't have you. But Paul understood the dangers of living, always thinking about things. That's why, and so God's word says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And here he says, charge them that are, that are rich, that they don't put their trust in uncertain riches. But what? But in the living God, now look at this, who gives us everybody, who gives us what? All Things, I love that. He gives us, now look at this. God gives us all things to what? To enjoy. To enjoy. When our priorities are right with God, then those things are in their proper place. And we can have a blast. We can have a ball. But those things aren't what we live for. And those things aren't what we're striving for. And those things don't have first place and first priority in our minds and thoughts because it's on worshiping him. It's on seeking him. Jesus warned, and warned us of this in, in, uh, in Luke. Look at verse in Luke chapter 12 with me. Jesus speaking, and Jesus said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, covetousness, what? It's what, wanting what somebody else has got. Isn't that what covetousness is? All right. And if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful, we can look and say, man, look at the vehicle they're driving. Look at what I'm driving. I, I don't know if mine's going to crank half the time. Look at theirs. Wouldn't it be awesome to have something like that? Or we can look at look at their, look where they live. Look at their house. Look at their family. Look at their clothes. Look, they take vacations. They take vacations several of them a year. And as we look and compare, what happens? Then we then, then we compare it with what we don't have, and our mind is on things. And Jesus warns us: beware of looking and coveting at things. Well, look at this. For a man's life, now boy, this is some good counsel. For a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of what? The things that he possesses. Wow. Wow. Don't let things on you. Like Paul, maybe like some of us, it wasn't necessarily bad things. It was a good thing. Good things can steal your joy also. Now, in verse 9, Paul is kind of contrasting this. This is what I was talking about a while ago. We'll only look at it. Dear Stu's got a few more minutes, so I'm, I'm not in no rush, y'all. Just take time. <laughs> I started talking about food first thing this morning. I, oh, have you ever noticed when you try to cut back on eating that all you think about is food? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to cut back eating. And so when I get hungry, I say, Barbie, can I go get you something to eat? It just does me good to get her something to eat. <laughs> yeah. Or I go feed the dogs. I'll go feed the dogs. Yeah, dogs and cats are wondering what, what's happening. How come you're feeding us so much? I'm starving to death, man. That dog food looks good. <laughs> I'm messing with you. So Paul in verse 9, Paul is comparing. Look at what he's comparing these things that he lived for. He says, I, let me read verse 8. I, I hadn't got it too. Let's work up to verse 9. Verse 8. He says, yes, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but rubbish. Paul, uh, uh, 
who is a South African guy? Peasley, Harold Peasley says, rubbish, okay? King James says, D-U-N-G, that's fertilizer, okay? <laughs> Somebody said that was bovine fertilizer. But they're just, it's just, he said, all those things that I lived for before, they're not important now. Don't wait. We said, Barbie and I sat with this, this people Friday, and I said, oh, dear Jesus, why do we have to wait till there's a tragedy? Why do we have to wait till there's great calamity and great loss to realize what's important in our lives? You don't have to, but so many people do. It takes that to wake us up and to jar us out of our mindset and to get us in a spiritual mindset to see things from his perspective. He said, those things I counted lost. Look at this now, verse 9. He says, and that, that, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see what he's saying? Paul says there is works righteousness. That's, that's what I lived for before I met Christ. I was, I, was try, I was trying to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was doing every, I was zealous. I was persecuting the church. He said, it's everything. I did this. I did this. I did this. But he said on the road to Damascus, it's now the righteousness which comes through faith, verse 9 says, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I want to tell you, that's the only righteousness that God accepts. Our works righteousness to him is like junk. It's like wood and stubble. It'll burn up in the time of testing. But it's the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ and who he is. As we look at, uh, at Paul's life and those things that he prized so highly before his spiritual mind, and he so as he compared these to others, he realized that everything he was doing should have been a, an indicator that he was, he was really living hypocritical, that those things and those righteousness wasn't bringing it at all. He had an appetite for things. Who is it? It's one of the missionaries. The, the missionary that was killed by the Indians, Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, who, was, uh, who, who he and his wife down in Ecuador, I think, Ecuador. And he had, he, had this, this, he had this single mind to live with Christ. That was their mission. That was their goal, to go and to, to, to take the gospel to an unreached people group. He had, this, he had this submissive mind of being a servant. He wanted, he wanted to go serve these Indians, and these Indians killed him. But he also, he, had, he understood this spiritual mind of seeing it from the perspective of heaven. And later on, his wife and others would take the gospel and, and this, reach this people group, and many people are going to be in eternity, so even some of the ones that speared him to death, because they had a mindset, a single mind, a submissive mind, and a spiritual mind. But Jim Elliott said, I think he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Wow. Look at what Paul's spiritual mind, what he gained as he laid aside those things. Look at it right here. Verse 9. First thing he said, he says, I am befriending him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ. He found the righteousness which is of God by faith. He found, a, he found that. He found a knowledge of Christ in verse 8, a knowledge of Christ. In verse 9, he found a righteousness by faith in Christ. In verse 10 and 11, he said that I may know him. 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He found the fellowship of sufferings in Christ. No wonder that Paul could walk with joy in spite of the circumstances, in spite of people, and in spite of things. He had that single mind. He had that submissive mind. He had that spiritual mind of seeing it from heaven's perspective. His joy didn't depend upon cheap things. He had that spiritual mind. Now, now might be a good time for us to count, take account of the things in our life, to evaluate and be sure that they don't own us, but that our first priority is Christ. I, I first heard this message when I was a teenager. And then it's been, 20, I think, 27 years ago, I preached uh, through the book of Philippians here at the House of Prayer. Now, some of you wasn't even born 27 years ago. How many of y'all are under 27 years old? Raise your hands up. Yeah, you didn't hear this message yet, okay? Put your hands down. <laughs> but but it's, it's something that made an impact in my life when I heard it as a teenager. When, I, when, I, when I, the, the, At camp, a week at camp. And I thought, wow, there's some good stuff here. And it's stuff that I wanted to be sure that I shared one more time. Not taking as much time to preach through it. Aren't you glad? I can do a chapter a week. You know, we're whizzing through this stuff. Matthew, we walk. But, but it's something that, you, that I want to be sure that you know, and not that you only hear, but that you know it experientially before I retire, before I go. That your joy as a servant of the Lord, your joy as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, it's not dependent upon the circumstances being all right. It's not dependent upon everybody giving you a pat on the back and telling you, attaboy, how good you've done. It's not dependent on the things that you have or don't have. When we, have, when we seek him first, he adds the things in our life that we can enjoy. It's, it would be a good time to count or evaluate or assess. Now, Barbie and I, we're, we're, we're hitting to 50 in June. 50 years we've been married. We're not up with Dennis and Peggy yet. God love that woman. She, I tell you what. I told her this morning, we're standing there with her and Jim, and I said, honey, to be married to him for 54 years, I tell you what. But what a, what a blessing. And one of the reasons we mention anniversaries in the house of prayer is because it's the strength of families. And we see it living out. Now, you've got an example in, in your leader, in Jeff and Sarah and Daryl and, and, and uh, what's his wife's name? She's over here. Yeah, Colleen. And, all, and Mildred and Nelson and John and his beautiful, where's John at? Yeah. Anna and Barbie and me. Okay? Because I'll tell you something, there's not a perfect couple among them. Now, Barbie and I are pretty dad Jim close. Not messing with you. We really ain't. <laughs> we really aren't. It's not, it's not everything right. But I'll tell you, we've been married almost 50 years. This is what I'm closing with. And now, we, we did early on. This is early when we were... Young and dumb. No, we weren't young and dumb. This is just when we were young, younger. Now, it gets late at night when we hit the bed and it's like, you know, we're out. But when we were younger, and if we, had, if we, had, if we were working out a strategy or a game plan, <laughs> or, or that's another way of saying it. If we had, we were navigating through some, we were having the discussion, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we never had an argument, but we always had some pretty fiery discussions. I, I'm we have to, forgive me, Lord. Anyway, so if we had been doing this, and I, I thought it was over, Fred. I had told her how it should be, 
Okay. I'd, I'd straighten, I mean, I'd, as, far as, I, as far as I was concerned, I'd straightened it out. It was over, and I was ready to go to bed. And, and we'd go to bed, and I'd be in bed, and she would say something like this, we need to talk. <laughs> now, early on, had no idea what she meant, you know? Okay, babe, be right with you. No, we need to talk. What about? Well, you think it's over. <laughs> what? You know what I'm talking about, Right? And I learned, now I learned this from real experience, so trust me, that the best thing I could do was to sit up in bed, open my eyes if I need to go put on a pot of coffee. Because <laughs> when she said we needed to talk, that meant we, we needed to have a discussion. Now the reason I'm saying that is when we look at things in my life, okay, there's times when I think I've got it down, and there's times when God says to me, Jerry, we need to talk. You know, we need to talk. We need to evaluate. We need to examine where you are with things in your life. Where's your trust? Are you trusting in those things? Are you trusting me? Where's your joy, Jerry? Is your joy there because of your walk with me? Or is your joy, are you, has, you, has the fun suckers sucked the joy out of your life? People or circumstances or things. Maybe a good time just to Say, Lord, if we need to talk, here I am. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Wow. Sometimes your word has such a a, a practical way of just walking right into where we are and saying we need to talk. This morning, we've We've listened to Paul as he said, hey, there's a time in his life when he was living for all the wrong things. But after meeting you, those things that have a proper place as you added them to his life, because he trusted in you. It was not a works righteousness. It was righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, you, you, if you want to, as we talk this morning, That's our priorities. We want to have this spiritual mind that helps us to see these things from your perspective. Now, Christian, I would encourage you as we just take time before the Lord, listen to what he's saying. It's different. Sometimes I try to give Barbie, I try to give her my perspective again and say, honey, this is the way it ought to be. And she'll say, well, you don't even listen. You're not listening to my perspective. And I found that God is not really interested that much in my perspective. Oh, he listens to me gripe, and he'll listen to me complain, but he has a way of just cutting through all that junk and just saying, no, Jerry, the heart of the matter is your heart. Am I first? What are you living for? You living for me or are you living for things? Wow. Father, you speak to us this morning. And if there's those things that we need to lay down or put in perspective or give to you so that you can give them back if you choose to at the right time or so that we don't even need them. We've learned what's important in life. It's not things. And as the Christians are praying and many are praying about that, before we'll say amen, this is very possible that you're here this morning and you've never 
trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've been trying to be like Paul. Maybe you've been trying to be good as you can be. That'll wear you out. Maybe you say, Pastor Jerry, I'm worn out trying to be good enough. I'm worn out trying to find a place of peace. I'm worn out trying to find some joy that'll last. This morning, let me tell you, you'll never find that place until you find it in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If that's you this morning and you say, I've, hey, maybe you come every Sunday here. Maybe, maybe you've been coming to House of Prayer longer than I've been here. Or maybe you've just been coming for a little while. Maybe this is your first time. But it's not about where you go to church. It's not about how often you go. It's about that relationship with Christ. And you just say, hey, I know this morning, I've never asked him to come in my life. And I need to do that. Jesus, I'm putting my faith and trust in you as God's son and as my savior that on the cross, you took my sins and you buried them so that you could cleanse me and forgive me. And I'm needing you to do that right now in my life. And I need you to work and start changing my mindset because I've been living a wrong mindset. And I need you to give me your perspective on things, on people, on circumstances. Lord, I surrender to you. Come into my life. Father, I thank you that your word is clear and I thank you that your word is sharp and powerful and is able to come in and dissect to slice the very thoughts and intentions of our heart and our lives. That we don't have to try to pretend or play games with you. We can be as real as it gets. We ask you to come into our life, dominate our life as we yield to you. In Christ I pray. Amen.